Welcome to the Self-Worth Safari podcast. In this episode, we're looking at self-worth in the context of career reinvention. Now, that doesn't always mean the same as career transition. Not everybody is changing direction. But many people right now are looking for fresh perspective and new energy in their current jobs. Today, however, I'm talking to somebody who has made a significant career change. Her name is Amy Moser. Amy worked in corporate communications for more than 20 years uh, in large professional service firms. Indeed, when I first met Amy, longer ago now than we'd probably like to talk about, Amy was actually working for the BBC. Today, she works as a coach with Self-Worth Academy, Positive Intelligence, and Helping Kids. And her new audience is quite different from the BBC. It's, It's working with divorcing mothers, and divorce lawyers, building on 10 years of her experience with parents and young people. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, John. I'm really excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. Can you cast your mind back to when you left the world of communications? What, what motivated you to, in the first place to make any type of career change or transition? What motivated me was really two small people, which were my two kids, um, Evelyn and David, who are now 11 and 13. Um, And just being able to make my career work so that I could be the best mom to them. Um, And I am now divorced. I'm a single mom. So that has become even more important to me. Um, And so they were the people that really influenced me. Yeah. And what were the thoughts in your mind as you uh, thought about the two little people and um, as you thought about your career? Well, I actually was really blessed to have my first training in neuro-linguistic programming as I was becoming a coach, I was still working in communications and my training was sponsored by my employers. So when I was working at Mercer, I took one course of to become an NLP practitioner. And then when I was at the BBC, they also sponsored me to do my master practitioner. So in the beginning, it was using coaching at work for me and it, it blended well into what I was doing in internal communications. And I was coaching managers and executives. Um, so I was also accepted as part of the BBC's coaching program where they have managers set up to coach certain people um, within the organization. And um, that also gave me some training and on the job work that really got me started. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then there was the maternity leave um, where I was then very happy to have a year off, but was thinking about, you know, how am I going to manage with one kid? And then it became two kids during that time of like three years. And um, it's, it all sort of started to make sense to me that the next step was to become a coach. Mm-hmm. And I guess maternity leave is one of these times when people reevaluate. Uh, we've just been through, or we are still going through a pandemic when even more people will be reevaluating, um, yeah. both, both male and female. What were you looking for? 
in choosing to work as a coach in choosing to work for yourself, what were you looking for? I had already had, like you said, 20 years in the corporate world. And so um, I had my kids when I was 38 and 40. So that is probably older than many people. Um, And like significantly in my family as well. Um, My sister has five boys. My brother has two girls and a boy. So I have like eight nieces and nephews. They're now like pushing 30. And so (laughs) I have been able to see like what's been going on with my brother and my sister as parents, my nieces and nephews as kids, you know, how it all was playing out. And so I kind of got a great perspective on the bigger picture from seeing those things up close and personal. Um, And so in terms of me deciding to go in this way, it was really so that I could create the kind of life that I wanted. I wanted more flexible working hours. I wanted to be able to travel because I go to the United States a lot, but also I was traveling a lot in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I liked the people that I have met that have become coaches and that's significant within like communities that I've been a part of. Like at the BBC, we had a great community community of internal communications partners and we still meet today. And a lot of those people have gone into coaching too. Mm-hmm. And, um, just having that kind of a loose team that you can work with, that you can um, bounce ideas off of. I started to see how that could be in place in coaching too. Right. So along that journey, uh, that journey towards flexibility, towards uh, that community you've just described, um, what were the tougher moments along that pathway? Um. I forgot to mention one major thing, which is a change of location for me. And um, that is when I moved from Chicago to London when I was 30. So that's 20 odd years ago now. Um, That was a major transition. I really wanted to do it. So it was me going on an adventure um, and there was no one you know, pushing me. In fact, it was the opposite. (laughs) Like my family was saying, uh, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to leave us? You know, and I think that was a major tough moment um, that I still experience sometimes today. Um, but I have been able to go back quite often, spend time that's more maybe focused. I've had more vacation because of being over here and also having a flexible job. Um So I think that if I look back on the last 20 years, it has worked out that I've been able to be close to my family in that way. And usually coming in the summers when the weather is nice. At least before pandemics came along, which is right. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking back to that pre-pandemic time. (laughs) As I'm sure many are with some nostalgia for when we could move freely around the world. Yeah. Um, any other tough moments? So, you know, if, if you're talking to someone today who's contemplating a, a career change and you're wishing to alert them to some of the challenges they may face along the way, what, what else would you flag up from your own experience? Um, 
I guess going back to my divorce, which has happened in the last seven years, um, that exposed me to a lot of situations that were uncomfortable to me. Like one of them was that my divorce was in Italy and I don't speak Italian. So like having to learn a whole new system of law and going there and not being able to speak to people. Um, Similarly, I had to go to court in the UK and representing myself in the court here. Um, And so I feel like I've also had like a kind of part-time job of becoming a lawyer in a way or a law consultant. Mm -hmm. I would never call myself a lawyer, but that I understand now so much more around that um, so that it's become like my second part-time job. And I didn't expect that to happen in my life ever. Um, But I guess that kind of challenge where I really was um, unprepared (laughs) that I had to throw myself into it. And I think that has been a gift to me Mm -hmm. to be able to say, uh, no, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And how did you get through that? Because uh, that's a lot, isn't it? You're dealing with another language, another jurisdiction. You're, I mean, divorce is a, is a difficult trauma in anyone's life, um, even without the complications of, of career change and geography and jurisdiction going on anyway. Um, how did you get through all that? Um. I um, was glad that I was actually a coach (laughs) at that point where I had a community of people around me and of training around me that I could look towards, that I could rely on, because I always feel like a coach has got to be getting coached in order to be um, good at what they do. And so I kind I saw it like that, like that I was going out and getting support from different in different ways. Um, like I had a divorce coach who was also a lawyer, um, that didn't come until much later in the process. But, um, I think that there was this kind of surrounding myself with support, um, that, that came up. Um, this probably related to self-worth in terms of, I was an unconditional friend to myself and I was saying, you know, you deserve this support. This is a tough time. Like you don't just have to do it on your, on your own. You know, there are people out there that are experiencing the same thing. There are people that can help you. Yeah. That seems to me rather an important point, uh, whether somebody is going through career transition or geographical transition, or in this case, uh, divorce, which is relationship and family transition, and that we don't have to do it on our own. Um, and often that, uh, particularly for men, I, I know from my own experience, it can be hard sometimes to recognize that. Um, can you remember the moment when you knew that you needed support? Was there, a, was there a moment in time that it crystallized for you that, hang on a minute, I don't have to do this by myself? Yes, I would say it was when I was in Abu Dhabi um, because I was an expat with my ex-husband and um, there were laws there that had to do with Sharia law um, in which I felt like my kids were not going to be looked after 
Um, and I ended up getting a flight late at night to Chicago uh, to be with my parents. Um, and I knew when I was doing that leaving that I was going to need support. And it wasn't something that I was really happy about doing. I wasn't feeling like it was a courageous thing. It was, you know, I need help. Yeah. I've got to get out of here and I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I'm sure that, um, I mean, we're we're looking at uh, what's happening during the pandemic. We're looking at how the, you know, being isolated in homes is a hothouse for many people who probably would recognize very quickly the truth of what you've just said. You know, I've got to get out of here and I need help. But for some, it would be jobs. And for others, it might be very often, as we know, um, when there is an economic crisis, there is often a personal crisis and very often the family and the economic uh, change uh, go together. Now, today you work a lot with divorcing mothers and, and divorced lawyers who are uh, working with them as well. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. About current, current work. Sure. Um, I have been working on mental fitness programs with divorcing moms. And usually these are people that are in high conflict divorces that are lasting many years. Um, and so working with them in a group setting um, with a six-week program through Positive Intelligence, um, and it is something where they are able to really transform their mental fitness within six weeks. Um, and this is usually, you know, they are looking for something that's really going to stick and that won't take too long. Um, and so it is a kind of way of of helping them make a big break into it. Um, they have to really want to do it, of course, um, but it is really transformational in terms of turning around their mental fitness. They are doing some things called, um, that are kind of like mini meditations to be able to bring their focus back to them. And they are looking at saboteurs, which are a word for, um, the gremlins that are bothering you and really naming those. Like, for example, mine are high achiever, hyper achiever, and pleaser. So these are the things in me that go overboard. Mm. Um, and that I hear, you know, little talking to me voices about that in my head, you know, all the time. And to become aware of those. Um, to become um, aware that they're not me, even they are just there from from my childhood, from whatever, and everybody has them. Um, and I find like with the women that I work with, these can be really, really loud, mm -hmm. and these can be going on quite a bit because of the kind of work they're doing. They're having to, you know, worry about their finances, their health, their children their home, where they're going to live. Um, so it helps them to calm things down and mm -hmm. to go into kind of sage thinking, as we call it, which is more being open to different possibilities, um, having options. Mm -hmm. um, one example is to what we call navigate. And that is like looking at the situation from when you're 80 years old and you're looking back and saying to yourself, you know, what is important here to me when I'm 80 years old, stepping oh. into that person, oh. and what is not? 
Mm-hmm. And that brings about a lot of shifts for my clients. Um, also working with divorce lawyers, I found on the other side, the difficulties that they have in really communicating with and understanding their clients because the clients are going through such a, you know, mentally exhausting time that um, there's, there's a lot of disconnect between them. Mm. And the lawyers are saying all these people are telling us that they want us to tell them what to do. They want us to be directive and say, here's what you do. But we want them to decide. We want them to have the capacity to do that. And I think what my coaching has done is give them more the capacity to work together um, and the language that helps. So your communication skills are certainly not going to waste, are they? (laughs) No, I think like at this point in my career, like looking back on it, everything comes together, you know, when you're making a career transition, you don't lose the things that you did before. It's just integrating them Mm -hmm. with what you plan to do next. Well, it also strikes me that you're integrating your own experience um, because you're not just narrating stuff you've read in a book or did in an NLP course, but what you have quite uniquely done is integrated that with your own experience. Yeah. How much of what you're passing on today is is experience um, as opposed to skills? Well, I feel really strongly about women and families and divorce lawyers not experiencing it the way that it happens now or like what happened to me over seven years. Um, And so I'm really motivated by that, like, kind of social change around it. Um, And for some reason, like I do have most of my best friends are lawyers. (laughs) And um, like, I'm really interested. And I was watching a seminar yesterday with barristers. And it's kind of like, justice piece of it is important to me. Um, And I think that comes through in what I do. um, That I um, I combined the experience and the skills together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned a lot of new things. Like in the past year, I've become certified in positive intelligence. I've used, I, we did the conference in the Self-Worth Academy. Um, so there's a lot of new things about me kind of getting out there and talking about it. Whereas um, it felt like the last seven years was kind of getting ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly I, I notice in my own experience, to use that word, that people come to us more because of our experience, perhaps, than our qualifications. It's often, you know, do we have experience? Do we know their world? Mm. Do we know the challenges and the, the difficulties uh, intimately? Mm-hmm. Um, that that means that we are trustworthy, I guess. Um, and perhaps... Uh, what's most intriguing uh, in your story is the way you have blended all of your experience, your communications experience, your experience of divorce, your experience of living internationally, your experience of dealing with lawyers. Um, um, the, the way you've blended all of that together uh, is is quite, um, uh, I can imagine that really builds trust with, with anyone who uh, 
who comes to you. What are the presenting issues? Um, sorry, that's a very technical question. Uh, what are the what's the initial gateway through which people through which divorcing mothers will reach out to you? Is there a are there two or three things that kind of are recurring that that crop up as the reason I'm calling is? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And looking at the assessment that I've done with the positive intelligence, so many of the people that come to me are overdoing the pleaser and that they are thinking of their kids most of the time. Like they'll be saying, well, for my kids, I want to get some help um, so that my future will be different. Um, So I think that that's the kind of presenting thing is that's for my kids Mm-hmm. Because they're just not used to looking at things for from empathizing with themselves and saying, this is for me. Right. Um, right. And so I try to deal with that as well um, because I have worked with kids as well. And I have this kind of feeling that the whole system is involved with the family. Um, and I want their mother to also feel like she's part of a system that's changing um, the lawyer to feel like they're part of that as well. That's going to be better. That things are going to work out well for everybody. Um, and I think it's also startling to me to look at like the statistics that there are forty to fifty percent of couples are getting divorced. Mm. So it's really not um, uncommon for a family to have this, um, and it is not becoming uncommon to get some help as well. No. no. Indeed, which of course takes us straight to the question of self-worth and how we value ourselves in the first place. Now, you and I have often talked about why self-worth is important when people are going through change. Um, Why is it important for divorcing mothers? Divorcing mothers have such a large list of responsibilities um, with usually kids, they are the primary person looking after them. They are working most likely um, part-time or full-time. They are needing to have good health so they can be resilient um, to be able to do all these things. Um, They are holding it together for everybody. Um, And financially, when they're looking at a divorce, they're having to like analyze all their finances and figure out, you know, what should they put out there in the divorce in their form E if they do that, or if they're in mediation, what should they say um, as far as what their needs are? And so all of a sudden it becomes important that if you can, you you really need to have some self-worth to identify what your needs are. Um, And, you know, you get kind of put into that very quickly. um, And if it's not there, then you could be maybe not doing justice to yourself and to your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And same question in your own experience. So when somebody is going through a career transition, and in your case, you talked about a seven-year journey mm-hmm. um, to get from A to B, uh, what's the significance of self-worth during that transition? I think it's really important to have that unconditional friendship with yourself, um, even when it comes down to things like eating, exercise, sleeping, 
you know, just starting with those basic things. If you have that unconditional friendship with yourself, then you are able to look at that like that is your need, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that those things come first, that the idea of putting on your oxygen mask first before you put it on the kid next to you is important. Mm-hmm. So so to kind of even start to get um, a good perspective on a divorce, like that is a real foundation. Right. Now, suppose somebody is feeling stuck today <clears throat> in a job or, or in a, a in a contract or as a self-employed, uh, in a self-employed role, there are many varieties of feeling stuck. And very often when we're feeling stuck, we're, the credits and the debits <clears throat> tend to be have the same weight. You know, if, if it was clear cut which way we should go, we could go. But often um, uh, many people in career feel they're on the horns of, uh, on the horns of a dilemma. You know, if I should I stay or should I go? Should I stay in the current job or become a freelancer? Should I <clears throat> change sectors or not, etc.? What would you say to anyone who's feeling stuck? My view is, if you are going to look at a career transition or a divorce transition, even like to see it as a marathon that you're going to run, mm-hmm. and you want to be in the best mental shape to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so your mental fitness is important. Your self-worth is important. Also those basic things like we just talked about, you know, eat, sleep, exercise, they're mm-hmm. all important. Um, they all come together to, to contribute to your whole health, um, which is really the best way that you're going to get where you want to get. Um, so I think Approaching it like it's this marathon, which um, you got to train a bit for, mm-hmm. and you got to look after yourself for that. That can be a really good start, as opposed to starting to plan anything. Um, just make sure that those basic things are in place: your mental fitness, your self worth, and your needs, body. You know, <laughs> which uh, I know that for me, like those things are always a way to kind of boost up. If I'm thinking, you know, the most basic thing, sleep, (laughs) exercise, eat. Taking care of ourselves first and foremost, being our, being our own best friend. Amy, thanks ever so much for a really illuminating conversation. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how should they do so? Um, Yes. I would love to hear from anyone who would like to have a chat. my email that you can contact is amymoser30 at gmail.com. And we'll put that in the chat that accompanies the uh, text uh, okay. of, of this podcast. Thanks. Amy, thanks for being my guest today. Wish you a very good day. Thank you, John. I've really enjoyed it. And I wish you a good day too.